Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Brady Finneran, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Today is Wednesday, December the 1st, and this next hour, we study the gift of the inspired and true Word of God and put on our Christ goggles as we continue our study with the Song of Songs. Now, I'm going to um, take a step back. First of all, happy Advent to everybody as we prepare for the coming of our Lord. And the unique thing about this as a church is that we prepare knowing that Christ has already come, but we know as we hear from John the Baptist, as he was uh, proclaimed to be born, it says that they would prepare the way for the Lord to come. And that is exactly what John the Baptist did. And that's what the Lord does for us this Advent. Secondly, I wanted to give a shout out to my father who turns 73 today, his birthday on December 1st. Uh, he is traveling back. He actually took my daughter back to high school at Concordia, Missouri, and he is traveling back. So I pray safe travels for him and wish him a happy birthday to my beloved father. But today we continue in chapter seven of Song of Songs. Yesterday, Dr. Alan Buss, Northern Illinois District President in Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, reminded us that we are not prude Christians, for our bodies are a gift of the Lord, especially for those who are united in marriage, as we hear about today. Obviously, we don't say too much, but we do say what the scriptures say, which is why we ultimately also see Jesus in today's text. For the gifts are, gifts are ready, ready for you. Helping us to be strengthened by God's word, we welcome back regular guest, Reverend David Boyce Clare of Faith in Bethesda Lutheran Church in Pine Lawn, Missouri. Pastor Boyce Clare, welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Yes, it's great. Uh, blessed Advent to all. Absolutely. Pastor, so what's happening for you in the work of the saints at Faith in Bethesda? Well, we're at, like I say, we're, we're the gifts are ready for us, and uh, we share them with one another, and we rejoice in the presence of the Lord and His forgiveness. Um, and and as I say, it's uh, it, it's always a challenge. I think every day is a challenge for God's people. That's a you know. Can you expand on that a little bit? Tell us a little more, um, because I was talking to someone yesterday when he was talking about Christmas music always being played, and he indicated that you know. Not everyone is joyful during the Advent season. And I thought that was a good reminder because we can play all the songs, but it doesn't mean we're all rejoicing or joyful in the way culturally speaks about it. So yeah, the daily task is a death and resurrection, a struggle that we all go through. Fight the good fight, the hymn tells us. So can you expand on that a little more? Because I think that sets the stage for our text today as well. Traditionally, Advent has been a season also of penitence, like Lent. Uh, that's why, in, in a sense, uh, the Sundays are said to be Sundays in Advent rather than Sundays of Advent. That's why you have midweek services, so that you can have a worship service within the season of Advent, like worship services within the season of Lent. And as a time uh, for to recognize uh, of course, the tragedy of sin in the world and in our lives, and um, and then also to uh, sorrow and repent of our sins. So, so again, you know, it's not uh, sort of a um, overly optimistic, uh, you know, just uh, party all the time attitude. Uh, but, but again, uh, we we rejoice like uh, the father. Uh, you know, in the in the uh, parable of the prodigal son, who said to his older son, he says, "It, it was right for us to celebrate with with such a great uh, 
you know the the coming back of your brother and and the regaining of him uh so again it's it you it has to be balanced obviously between us uh, you know in other words sober contemplation and and serious reflection as, as well as as not you know and 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 then probably part of the problem is if they play christmas music too much you kind of get tired of it after <laughs> after a two months <laughs> Yeah, someone referenced, uh, uh, and I, I didn't read the study, but someone referenced to me that the earlier you start playing Christmas music, the the the, the heart of the Christmas season is, which I think mm. really brings us to the reality. And I don't quote me on that as like I saw that in this journal or something. Someone just said it to me, so it might not even be you know right there. I'm not sure, but it, definitely something I can see. And this is why the church. Uh, Christians have Advent for a purpose. The purpose, like you said, it's also a penitential season for us to look back to the cross, realize our own sins, and to um, and and this is why you know the color used to also be purple as the color of Lent. I know our our church has a color blue, but also many churches still have purple. So it just reminds us of that repentance, looking back to the cross, looking back to our Lord, and the and having peace, which is a common theme as well that our Lord has come to live among us to save us from our sins. So um, thank you for that reminder this morning. Pastor, anything else going on you want to highlight? Oh, uh, like I say, we decorated our church for Christmas, and and we're we're trying to share the joy uh, of his presence with us because it uh, makes us ecstatic like John the Baptist within the womb of Elizabeth, his mother. (laughs) <laughs> ah, wonderful. On that on that note, can you begin our time and ask the Lord to give us joy in, in the Word and ask for His blessings in prayer? Well, with pleasure. God of creation, how beautiful is your splendid creation of the world to house the crown of your creation, man and woman. We exult with the psalmist, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows right well. Guide us to see how pleasing in your sight is human marriage, which you established before humanity's fall into sin. Grant that we learn and wonder at its likeness to the most intimate of relationships, that of our Lord Jesus Christ uh, to his church. Guide us into all truth in his name. Amen. Amen. Reminder to our listeners, if you have any questions or thoughts, and all of you know, Pastor Boyce Claire does his homework. He knows his theology, and he loves questions. So send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, or send us a, or give us a call, 314-821-0850, 314-821-0850. Now, Pastor, as we begin Song of Songs, I mean, Chapter 7, uh, we're, you know, we're towards the end of this. And I want to ask you one question, because you are a very uh, caring and insightful pastor, is to ask this question. The Song of Songs, we can easily um, see as for only a certain person or a certain group or whatever it might be. Pastor, why is, it, why is Song of Songs an important book for married, singles, widows, widowers, children, and everybody? Why, why is this an important book for us to read and to dig into as we are now? Well, it, it, it teaches us to be uh, joyful about ourselves as we are in the world. I mean, God has created us. Uh, he has created marriage. And, and you know, I think that's, that's kind of noted that it was created in paradise. It wasn't created mm-hmm. after uh, government was created after the fall into sin. There was no need for government. 
uh, before the fall into sin. But God in paradise created uh, marriage, the love between a man and a woman uh, that is consummated in in holy marriage. You know, it's like uh, I, I remember as a uh, a pastor where, uh, you know, and, and it was like a bride and bridegroom. They were they were just trying to be uh to, to say uh, that, well, you know, if it, in the in the beginning it was just like under a bush or something, or you know, like everybody was naked, and and and, and I said, well, but it was it was very very solemn and very much like the the marriage ceremony that we have. God was the father of the bride, bringing the bride mm-hmm. to to Adam. And and uh, it, it it's just that that's so big a part of our lives, and it, it's it's uh, it, it's it's sad that where people might feel ashamed, and that that's the result of sin. Obviously, wasn't it after Adam and Eve fell into sin that they uh, may uh, tried to hide uh, their unpresentable parts with uh, fig leaves or something, uh, you know, and they were ashamed. You know, that God said, "Who told you you were naked?" You know, mm-hmm. I mean. In, in, in a sense, it, it, it helps us uh, see how when we are in Christ, that every aspect of our lives is something that should be seen in the light uh, of God's love and mercy in Christ and as a gift from him. Our, our sexuality, uh, you know, in, in our bodies, uh, we should not be ashamed of them. We should not be ashamed of, uh, you know, Christian marriage and, and uh, you know, the relationship of husbands and wives. And this is something that was quite profound yesterday when having uh, Pastor Buss on the program, is that he, we kind of came down with, you know, we usually will say, and this is, this is right, is that we look at the scriptures with Christ's goggles. I talk about that a lot here in Thy Strong Word. At the same time, when we look at the church, when we look at our institutional church, when we look at fellow believers, that we should be putting on our Christ goggles. And that's really how we see this, is that we see Solomon and we see the Shulamite looking at each other and 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 loving each other for what God has given to them. And to be able to see that, I guess you say, with Christ goggles and to understand that this is a creation of the Lord, that this is a beautiful thing. And it, it, it captures it so beautifully that also extends, I think, how we should see people in the church, how we should see the church, that we put our Christ goggles on. Because if we don't, we can really nitpick each other a lot. But when we put Christ goggles on, we are able to better see um, how God sees us, which is beautiful, as redeemed, forgiven, and loved by Him. So that is that really dovetails to all the great words we heard yesterday from Pastor Buss. Pastor, anything else before we begin? Well, like uh, you, you mentioned about the Christ goggles, I think Christ is the one that puts them on us. He said, these are they that testify of me. You know, you search the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life, but these, they are they that testify of me. And so he, and 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 and, and when he was taking uh, the two uh, disciples uh, to Emmaus uh, on on the Easter Eve, you know, when he appeared, it wasn't known to them. He 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 showed them all of the scriptures that referred to himself, and and I, I think Christ wants us to wear his goggles. Well, let's put the goggles on now. I, I'm ready to dig in. Are you ready? Yeah, absolutely. 
All right. So reminder to our listeners, we'll be reading from the English Standard Version of Holy Scripture, Song of Solomon, Chapter 7. And I will say this, that this is nothing, uh, I think, crazy, but it is something that if discretion is needed for you, our listeners, then please take that discretion, as it does, you know, definitely speak about the body in a way that we don't typically talk about in church. So we'll start with Song of Solomon, Chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. We'll begin. Solomon says, How beautiful are your feet and sandals, O noble daughter! Your rounded thighs are like jewels, the work of a master hand. Your navel is a rounded bowl, and you never lack that never lacks mixed wine. Your belly is a heap of wheat encircled with lilies. Your two breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle. Your neck is like an ivory tower. Your eyes are pools in Heshbon, by the gate of Bath Rabim. Your nose is like the Tower of Lebanon, which looks towards Damascus. Your head crowns you like caramel, and your flowing locks are like purple. A king is held captive in the tresses. So this is a lot of, lot of poetry. Um, obviously, Solomon is speaking about the Shulamite, his bride. He's already established the chapter before that she is the one. And now we see why more, how, how he sees her or how he sees her through his eyes. So, Pastor, where do you want to begin with this, uh, these verses? Well, it, uh, I guess I, I wanted to maybe uh, share some some quotations about the Book of Canticles. You know, it mm. it it uh, which I think is 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 very important to remember. Uh, you know, a lot of of scholars sort of compare it to uh, like the classical works of in Greece. Uh, they they have a lot of erotic, uh, you know, which you know is very very graphic poetry. Uh, but but the the observation is uh, compared with the classical world, the Hebrews had a high level of sexual morality. The distinguishing feature of the corpus, in other words, the body, the, uh, this particular book of Song of Solomon, is the complete lack of self-consciousness about the man-woman relation, in sharp contrast to the Greek lyricists. Although the work has not been censored, it is not lewd or crudely sensate. So that it, 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 I think that expresses my, probably in very uh, lofty language. The, the point is that it is not, it isn't, uh, it isn't pornographic or it isn't, mm. it, it is, it is um, a very healthy attitude toward, um, you know, the relationship between a husband and wife, you know, and there's just one more quote, a very, a sentence here, the prudes, a prude. I think you mentioned the word prude earlier in the in the mm-hmm. show. Uh, the prude's discomfort and the censor, you know, the guy who uh, kind of cuts things out. The censor's fear must not efface that take away the simple delight of the song in the sexuality of the race. Love is strong as death, chapter eight, verse six, and stronger than the reticence and embarrassment of interpreters. How well put. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can you unpack that a little bit more? Because I, well, put it this way, I maybe didn't have uh, my Mountain Dew early enough today, but I'm, I'm not always catching on to things. Can you can you unpack that a little bit? Because I love that quote. Yeah, they, they, they're saying that a lot of times, you know, even, even the Hebrews, 
you know, uh, or you know, in other words, the Jews in the first century at the Council of Jamnia wanted to kick out uh, the Book of Song of Solomon out of the canon because they said mm-hmm. it's it's just not appropriate. They're so they're prudes, you know, and right. it was. Uh, the Rabbi Akiba, I think, who said that that the day that uh, God gave us the Song of Solomon was one of the great in in uh, sacred history, <laughs> and 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 so what it what it's saying, and, and a lot of times uh, people who are uh, prudish about it, you know, they say, well, well, sexuality is evil, or the body is not a fit uh, subject for uh, discussion or art. Uh, that it's something that we have to uh, censor or cut out, and 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 so and as I think what the what the person is saying here is that God is telling us that human love, as it is expressed between a husband and wife, is is something that's stronger than than uh, these prudish uh, uh, busybodies that want to keep quiet and and they want to uh, interpret out. Any anything that they find to be objectionable to them, mm, and that definitely Song of Solomon definitely takes that away to show the beauty of the marriage and, like you said before, the sexuality that is definitely there. So, Pastor, as we look at these first five verses, it really is Solomon expressing the beauty of his wife, the Shulamite, and he's speaking pretty much from head to toe. Right? I mean, it's it's yeah. he speaks about the head. He goes all the way down to the toe. Um, you know, is this one of those funny, uh, not funny, not, it's not funny per se, but it's just kind of interesting. He starts with the feet, uh, part of the body that we typically don't. And this goes back to when Jesus cleaned or washed the feet of the disciples. That usually is not where we start. So I thought that was an interesting dynamic of how he begins with the feet, goes up to the head and, and just really highlights the beauty of his wife. Anything you want to highlight in those verses? Uh, well, it, it, it it's like, to appreciate God's beautiful creation, you know, when, you know, as husbands or wives uh, are are very intimate with each other and see see each other, uh, like Adam and Eve did, naked, and they were not ashamed, as, as Scripture says. You know, they, they just say, they just notice things about each other. You know, like he he notices her feet in sandals, and he notices, notices uh, you know, the shape of her body, or, you know, her face, or, or you know, and in, in other words, um, and, and it, it's interesting. He doesn't. He, he there's no uh, like no um, shall we say dirty comparisons. But he talks about uh, architecture, and he talks about uh, he talks about um, uh, agriculture. You know, yeah, uh, and, yeah. and, or he talks about uh, you know thing. You know, in, in a sense, it, it's it's kind of like he, he he's just really. Um, looking at his wife and appreciating her, um, I, you know. Again, uh, I remember. I, I'm, I'm a fan of, of the, uh, you know, the epic films of the '50s and so on. I remember in the film Spartacus, where Spartacus yeah. is talking about uh, Levin. Uh, it, it's um, his wife. I think her name is Lavinia or something. And uh, he says, I want to know every every, uh, you know, contract or contour of of you, you know, everything about you. You know, it's just it's just such an intimacy, which, of course, is 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 in a sense private between a husband and a wife. And so these are like these may be songs that are that are sung between a husband and a wife in, in, in their own privacy. 
Absolutely. And like you said, there's the, your eyes are pools in Heshbon, you know, which is uh, just north of uh, Northern Kingdom. Uh, it, not, what's kind of crazy is the hard part is if you look at history, there's nothing about Heshbon that really makes you think, wow, that's the most beautiful of areas. So they probably had some connection to that area. I'm not exactly sure. Um, and you have like a nose, like the Tower of Lebanon, which kind of like, well, does that mean she has a big nose? What does this mean? And the more I read about these um, these connections, your head crowns you like caramel and your flowing locks are like purple. The more I read, especially in Dr. Mitchell's uh, commentary, the more people don't know exactly what he's saying, uh, <laughs> but you can tell that it has a lot of meaning for them, which I think dovetails to exactly what you said. That this was really a, a way of poetry between the two of them that nobody else would really understand. And, and, and also just, just that understanding of how we see beauty and how we see, um, um, each other, especially for a married couple, that it's sometimes just unexplainable. And even if you try, you won't fully understand. Any thoughts on that? Because the more I studied, the more frustrated I got because there was no common answer. Maybe you found more of a common answer of the connections he was making. Well, sort of. It's a healthy view of oneself and 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 one's spouse. And and it's it's uh, you know I think that that's something that lends itself to um, you know bringing it in the sight of God and 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 rejoicing in His gift uh, you know as as a husband and wife you are a gift to each other and in every, in every possible way and and Scripture is so clear about that and it's nothing nothing to be ashamed of nothing to cut you know I think you know how how dare anybody think that. Uh, there should not be, uh, you know, ma- love and marriage in in Christianity as as some of the prudes over the history of the church, you know, with the, uh, you know, for celibacy and all of this sort of thing. Now that doesn't mean to say, as Jesus even said himself, that some are given the gift of celibacy uh, mm-hmm. to 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 walk alone with the Lord. But yet, uh, you know, in this particular case, it's a very healthy attitude toward uh, myself, my body, my, my sexuality, and, and always to see myself and my spouse as, as cre- creations of God and gifts of God that he has given uh, to, all, to each of us. And I love how you brought in creation into this, because that is a vital part of us to remind uh, each other that we are created um, by the Lord. We are new creation in Christ. And, and this brings us back to when my wife and I were going through premarital counseling, but it was all, it was all based on what does the Lord have to talk about marriage? And our pastor, John Schmicky, um, I think you know Pastor Schmicky in North St. Louis. Oh, yes. Um, yep, yep. And he went through that with us. And one of the comments he made was that when, when Eve was brought to Adam, and I think this relates to Solomon and the Shulamite, you know, he brings the Lord brings her as a father brings his bride. And the man says this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. That Pastor Schmicky, I remember this explicitly as he says, that is literally him. That is Adam looking at her and going, wow. <laughs> exactly. And, 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 and God teaches Adam that by he first brings all the animals to him. 
so that he can see for himself that he doesn't correspond to any of them, uh-huh. although he loves them and gives names to them. He it, it, then then he brings to him his helpmeet. Uh, you know, he, the one who corresponds to him, the one who fits. Uh, you know, it's kind of, again, I, I mentioned <laughs> uh, different scenes from films. Uh, there, there's the film where uh, Thomas Jefferson and his wife Martha are brought together after being apart. They're a young married couple, and they, they're, they're brought together after months and months of separation, and, and they embrace each other. And and, uh, uh, and and John Adams is there, and, and Benjamin Franklin, and and John Adams says, "Well, is this his wife?" Uh, Jefferson introduces to your wife, and 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 Benjamin Franklin says, "Leave him alone. He, of course, she's his wife. Do you see how well they fit?" <laughs> ah, boy, that's really good. You see how that well really they fit. <laughs> they, of course, and that's a... of course, she's his wife. <laughs> wow, that is uh, that really lines up with the biblical account as well. Now, mm-hmm. Pastor, we have about uh, 30 seconds left in our time and uh, before our break, excuse me. And anything you want to, anything else you want to highlight? Because there's so much imagery in these first five verses. Um, any, anything else you want to highlight before our break? I think uh, we can rejoice that our God is, is so, such a creator of beauty, and we have to see his beauty within us as well as his, as his good creation, and, uh, which is redeemed in Christ. And I think you'd be summarized just with a simple word that we, you know, we we kind of made up for Adam here, but wow, you know, God's creation sure is beautiful, especially in marriage. So right now we need to take our break, though. We are studying Song of Songs, Chapter 7, with Pastor David Boisclare, and we will be right back. These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help, because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan316. Welcome back. We are studying Song of Songs, Chapter 7, with Pastor David Boisclair. And I want to give a shout-out also to Lutheran Heritage Foundation for their support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. And I'm excited that we'll have the Executive Director, Matthew Heisey, um, on this month to tell us even more about what's happening with their Christ-centered theological resources for people around the world. And I mean, it's just, it's a phenomenal reality that as as people you know believe believe in christ that we need to be taught i mean this is what scripture teaches us and lutheran heritage foundation makes that their goal so that all may know and understand the depth of god's grace for us now pastor i wanted to look at our next few verses as we hear the rest of solomon speak about his bride to speak about those verses and then ask a question and i want to keep this in the in the forefront how does this connect to christ but first 
Let us read verses 6 through 9, which I guess be 6 through 9a, as we hear from Solomon. How beautiful and pleasant are you are, O loved one, with all your delights. Your stature is like a palm tree, and your breasts are like the clusters. It's clusters. I say I will climb to the, the palm tree and lay hold of its fruit. Oh, may your breasts be like the clusters of the vine and the scent of your breath like apples and your mouth like the best wine. Now here he, he gets, more, um, uh, gets more intimate, I guess you would say, Pastor. Where do you want to begin? Yes, and and um, uh, I think it, it, it you're, you're just really touched by the um, in, the intimacy or the the affection, the the fact that they they cling to each other, they want to be with each other, uh, you know, or in, in this case, the husband wants to be with his bride, and uh, you, you just um, you know say it, it, it's. That that's so important in a Christian marriage for there to for each of the uh, the husband and wife to desire each other, um, because when whenever uh, you know as the apostle says in First Corinthians seven when when uh, the, the, that doesn't work well you know when the when one is deprived when when either of the uh, spouses is deprived. Uh, of of their love for each other, that then problems arise or possibly arise. Well, it doesn't. He doesn't. The apostle doesn't say that, but but he's just saying as a principle, you know, the the husband and wife need to be, uh, you know, intimate as God intended marriage to be. You know, and, and we're talking about, uh, of course, uh, the the sexual relation between a husband and wife, and that's they should not defraud each other. And so, you know, here, 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 the the husband is telling the bride, you know, I desire you, and 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 you are my bride, and and uh, uh, we we want to be as close to each other as we possibly can. So that that's kind of like the the idea that I see here. And then, uh, did we want to look at uh, what the relationship to Christ and the Church at all? Let's hold on for that for a moment, okay. and I don't ever All want right. to stop people from going to Christ too quickly. That's that's a weird thing for me to say. But I just no, 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 no. We're, we're trying to get. We're trying to unpack. <laughs> we're trying to unpack the the points, uh, the, the 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 text as it is, the literal sense of the text. I love it. I love it. Yeah, and and so I found it interesting in verse six, how beautiful and pleasant you are, O loved one, with all your delights. And it starts in verse one, how beautiful are your feet and sandals, O noble daughter. And I found it interesting, and I and I didn't find a connection anywhere, but I think it, it definitely brings it. He speaks in the first five verses, head to toe. He speaks about all of the beauty that she has. And then in verse 6, it's like he's wrapping it around. And I, I guess I've seen this quite a bit in the Old Testament, where he wraps it around and says, by the way, the whole thing is beautiful. You know, just in case mm -hmm. you're wondering, it's not just your feet. It's everything. And then in case you're wondering about you are, old loved one, with all your delights. I mean, you speak about the word delight, and we'll use that. Oh, what a delight we will speak in our, in our culture today. But for him, he is definitely bringing it all together and saying basically everything about you brings delight, that you are a delight. And I really find that to be an all-encompassing reality that we all need to hear, right? You can say, oh, I like how you preach or I like how you sing or I like how you your hair or whatever we'll we'll just point out little things but here he brings around this this beautiful language where it's not just by the way I love your hair it's like purple a purple thing or whatever it might be but he brings it all back and then says by the way I love everything about you 
physically and obviously when he speaks that way you don't speak that way without admitting without it being obvious that you love everything about your bride and that's exactly what he's encompassing any thoughts on that that's one thing that i really highlighted as i did my study is how he brings it all back to all encompassing love that he has for his bride anything else you have in those verses that's so vital for for a healthy marriage a healthy christian Mm -hmm. marriage um, and and it's it, it's another God created um, human sexuality and and it but and then he has also created an institution known as uh, marriage between a husband and wife a man and a woman and and that is where uh, that is kind of the the garden in which uh, one can uh, can rejoice in God's good gift of, of that creation. Okay, there, like he uses creation, and you mentioned this before. He just doesn't use a place, but he uses creation. He talks about palm trees and clusters and, and fruit and apples and best wine. Obviously, everything that when we see this growing in creation, that we see this as good. I have yet to hear someone look at a palm tree and go, yeah, that's not very good. Like, I don't want anything to do with that. Or or apples or best wine. Even if you don't like wine, you realize that there's a lot of wonderful qualities to this wine. So he definitely is, he's not putting in there that, you know, your toes remind me of dirt. You know, he's not, <laughs> he's not bringing up that you're, uh, you know, that, that, you're, uh, that your body reminds me of a gopher in the ground or something. I mean, he's bringing out the best of the best to describe his bride. So any, any other thoughts on his imagery that he uses? Yeah, and it's interesting that you mentioned gopher as uh, Minnesota is the gopher state. <laughs> That's right. Beat Wisconsin <laughs> on Saturday. I love it. Anyways, yeah, the ahead. Badger State, yeah. <laughs> Any other thoughts on the imagery, though, Pastor? <laughs> I, you know, I, I love the imagery. Uh, it, it's, uh, uh, it, it shows that it is not um, like the other classical world um poems or anything it's not pornographic in any possible way in any possible way it's healthy it's beautiful it's uh it just uh, adds to the wonder of all of that you know it's like the 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 bride says to her husband so you really feel that way about me and she feels desired and she feels so close to him and and she would never part from him and and that it's so precious. That's such a pre- it, in a sense, it's such a uh, you know that God allowed this book to be placed in His canon uh, in the Scriptures is is such a blessing to to all of us. So as we look at the first nine verses, we say all the time in the Song of Solomon, it's about God's love for the church or uh, Christ's love for His church and how we would interpret this, and that's why it's in the canon. That's why we're able to look at it with uh, Christ's goggles and to look at the world in Christ's goggles and hopefully look at our spouses or other people as ones um, with Christ's goggles. So how does this connect? How would you, if someone were to say to you, Pastor, chapter 7 is quite intimate. I'm not sure if I'm into this. What is going on? How would you connect this back to Christ for for anybody as they hear these words today? I think we have... uh... A warrant or a scriptural warrant, in other words, the a Bible proof, you might say, for that connection, that it, or that the comparison. In other words, the the uh, relationship of a husband to a wife is this is is similar to the relationship between Christ and His Church, and that, of course, we find in in Ephesians. 
you know, you know, St. Paul says, I'm speaking about a mystery, but I'm speaking about Christ and his church. You know, he talks, he, he's giving advice to Christian uh, husbands and wives. And then he says, this is a picture of Christ's relationship to the church. Uh, it, you know, in other words, it, it tells the wife to, uh, you know, be submissive to her husband, uh, you know, to obey her husband and everything as, as the church uh, submits to Christ. But then he says of Christ that he uh, actually puts the church above himself. Uh, he, he gives himself as a sacrifice uh, for his bride. He, he cleanses her with his blood or the washing of water in holy baptism. Um, and so that she might, uh, he, he might present her to the world, to the universe and say, look and look at my beloved. Look at how beautiful she is. And, and it, 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 it it, it's, it really expresses our relationship with God as to be as intimate as that, maybe and not uh, not sensual, but but a, a, a spiritual intimacy. Uh, you know, it's interesting when you look at uh, love songs that uh, you know sometimes it, it it may be appropriate, like we've seen in the uh, in, in that one film, Sister Act, where uh, the the uh, choir director used, uh, you know, contemporary love songs to have the uh, people of God sing their, uh, you know, love toward God. You know, I'm not uh, not necessarily uh, condoning uh, that particular, you know, uh, the, um, that particular style, style, you know, in in a sense, you know, taking, taking, um, you know, the uh, different rock songs and, you know, it, it now, having a contemporary Christian music is important, but the way in which a, a love song is composed, you know, it's like, you are the most important person in my life. You know, you're saying that in a love song. So in the, in the, in, in how much more it, when in saying to our Lord Jesus, you are the most important person in my life. You are the best thing that ever happened to me. You're the, uh, you know, you, you are uh, my soul, uh, my heart's desire. Uh, you know, uh, in, in a sense, it, it kind of shows the connection between uh, the love of a husband and wife for each other as for the Christian to his or her Savior. I think, Pastor, you just quoted four movies so far. I think we've gotten to four. So I, I'm hoping <laughs> yeah. we can at least get to eight to Sister ten Act. before our time is up. Yeah, Sister, I did yeah. not expect Sister Act to come out of that one. But you're right. There is that, you know, at first you're like, okay, we don't want to take the sacred music of the scriptures and to turn it into a love song, like Jesus is my girlfriend kind of language. However, yeah, yeah. there is that connection that you capture beautifully. Is There is that reality of the love of God that we see reflected here. And so we don't want to completely deny it and say, oh, no, that's not at all part of this dynamic, but it can go too far is exactly what I'm hearing you say. Um, And that's why we want to stick to what Scripture says as opposed to looking at culture and saying, what do they say? And then trying to like, you know, put a little icing on the cake type of uh, dynamic when it comes to the gospel, which I, I think you are definitely throwing at us today. So we hear from Solomon. And now as we move forward, we hear from the Shulamite. And like you said, the beauty of this is the desire that they want to be together physically. And obviously with that is emotions. And obviously this reminds us of as the Lord wants all to be saved, that he has that that desire 
for us to be united with him and gives us a mystery of the church, like you said in Ephesians chapter 5 as well. Pastor, before we get to the Shulamite, anything else you wanted to highlight before we move on? It, it um, like I say, is you know, it's it has to be in all in proper perspective. You know, when when you conduct a marriage ceremony for your people, uh, you know, you you kind of point out that our Lord Jesus is the unseen partner in the marriage, and and the more you put God first, and you put uh, Christ. First, uh, you know, the God, the Son first, Christ first, that he will, he will bring you closer together. You know, when, when God is a part of a married, a Christian married's life, uh, that marriage is so much stronger than anything that's in the world. It's essential uh, to a uh, successful, uh, God-pleasing marriage. I'll say this. This past week, we were able to celebrate my in-laws, uh, Paul and Gwen Beeren, their 50th wedding anniversary. And so we had a gathering at, at our church. Actually, they had just recently moved. And so we just had it that their three kids, all their grandkids and, and, all, and the in-laws were all together. And we just celebrated them, saw old pictures and, and saw the, the blessing of that unity of 50 years that they've been together. Um, and it's funny at my church, we have a number of people who are between 50 and 60, quite a few people who have been married 60 years. And so I told them that, you know, my in-laws have a long ways to go, don't they? And they said, yes, they do. They said, <laughs> at 50 years, but, but you see the, the beauty of it goes beyond just the desires that we hear in this text, but from that desire of unity as one flesh, the physical unity that happens, you see the blessing that comes from that the children, the grandchildren, you know, eventually great-grandchildren. Um, all those dynamics come into play, and you're able to, I think this really brings a, a, a fullness of that picture of when we have a gathering for someone, for a couple who celebrates 50 years, 60 years. It's not just, oh, wow, you two stuck together through thick and thin, which is true, but the fruitfulness that comes from that, I think, really brings out the beauty of the language that Solomon is speaking about his bride as well. Any last thoughts before we move on to the Shulamite? I think I, I want to uh, uh, capitalize on, on what you just said, is, is just by simply uh, a loving Christian couple, loving each other, bringing children into the world, they, they do so much for the world. There's all of these new Christian people that come into the world. The world is so much of a better place, even as, as the writer of the letter to the Hebrews says of those, uh, the saints of God, they are those for of whom the world is not worthy. And, and, uh, you know, just, just by a Christian couple, um, you know, having, having a family by the grace of God in accordance with his will, uh, do so much, uh, of they do God's work. They're part. They're his. That is his procreation, and it and it and it's probably a more astounding feat than uh, landing on the moon. Amen to that. Amen to that. Happy anniversary to my in-laws, which I believe. Oh, dang it, I can't remember the exact date we celebrated before them. But thanks be to God for their marriage and their life together in Christ. So let's continue on to the Shulamite. I think I'll do this, Pastor. We have about 10 minutes left in our time, so I'll just read the rest of our verses and, and once again see what it says and then see how it points us to Christ. As the Shulamite speaks, It goes down smoothly for my beloved, gliding over lips and teeth. I am my beloved's and his desires for me. 
Come, my beloved, let us go out into the fields and lodge in the villages. Let us go out early in the vineyards and see whether the vines have budded, whether the grape blossoms have opened and the pomegranates are in bloom. There I will give you my love. The mandrakes give forth fragrance, and beside our doors are all choice fruits, new as well as old, which I have laid up for you, O my beloved. Now, once again, as you said, that this is not a time to be prude. This is a time for us to see what the word has to say. And, and here we see a lot of different and unique language. So what, how do you want to start us off as we look at these verses? Well, uh, you know, she, she delights in, in his presence. You know, it's, it's interesting um, that uh, the whole world lights up when, you're, when you are in love. You know, every, everything is beautiful. Uh, you're so happy. You're, you're so much at peace with the world. Uh, you know, so, so in, a, in a sense, that, that love between this couple uh, lightens up the world and, and makes it such a delightful place to be in. And, um, you know, they, they just, again, it's just, it's, it's how God says, well, you know, I've given the both of you to each other. And, and um, now, now, and this is, this is the manner in which I want my creation to be used. Uh, you know, I mean, he, as I said, uh, you know, I, I mean, that's something to, that really, you know, should sink in. He established marriage in paradise when humanity was perfect. And, and, and it is part of paradise, a part of that God's good creation. And so as we look at verse 10, I really enjoyed this language because the language is uh, in, in the previous chapters, I am my beloved's and his desire is for me. And this, you know, I am his and he is mine is the language that we hear in, in the uh, hymn, you know, uh, uh, a chief of sinners, though I be. It shows that relationship right. of who we are in Christ and who he is um, to us. And that really, I think, captures that thought almost not right in the middle, but towards the end, where there is that unity, that one flesh, that wowness, you know, that, that Adam had for her. And, and also we see that wowness of her for her desire for her husband, which is, I don't know how often that happens in the scriptures, but this is probably one of the only times where you hear a female, a feminine perspective of her desire for her husband, which is vital for our world because, you know, women need to be, you know, need to receive um, affirmation of their love from their husband and husbands need that affirmation from their wives. And that is a beautiful picture that we see here. Any thoughts on verse 10 that you have? Yeah, I, I, I think that that's, that's, that's at the center of, of the marriage. And, you know, it's like the, the mar marriage should be uh, pictured like three circles. It's it, it, well, you know, the, the, the husband and wife, and then God's circle which which also couples the two of them as well uh, or like uh, you know when some in some um, you know marriage uh, uh, ceremonies in church or or services in church uh, the the pastor takes his stole and and uh, puts it around uh, the, the the joined hands you know when, when I've ever done marriages I've always had the husband or the bride and bridegroom uh, take their hands and look into each other's eyes as they speak their vows to each other. Sometimes, you know, you just have them holding hands and then facing the altar, which is a good 
good thing. You know, maybe you do that at the beginning. Will you have this uh, uh, lady to be your wife, or will you have this man to be your husband? But then, when they speak about when they speak their vows, they should speak them to each other. Of course, they should also speak them to God. You know, uh, that that to to have and to hold from this day forward, for better for worse, for richer poorer. You know, uh, until death us do part. You know, and and that's something they say to each other, and that's something they say to God. And so there's also language here in verse 11, come my beloved. And this is a, just a common theme throughout the scriptures of, you know, follow me, Jesus says. Um, come, you know, uh, come all who are weary and heaven laden, and I will give you rest. That language of, of the invitation that she has for her husband and also the Lord has for us. Come, come to me. Uh, the little children, have the children come to me. It's a beautiful language of that unity they have and the desire for one another. Any thoughts on that language? I had found that striking as well. Oh, absolutely. It's an, it, it, in other words, the, the, our God is not somebody who who wants to be our mass. Uh, you, you know, mean the the the, um, <clears throat> set, the the kind of the dictator or the, the the person that 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 is the slave master. That's not the way of God. God invites us. He comes to us in a way in which he can be resisted in the gospel. Uh, and, and he wants, by the, by, uh, obviously, by the grace of God's Holy Spirit, we accept his invitation. But, but I mean, the thing is, is that, that God, God desires us to have perfect freedom. And the only way we can have perfect freedom is to be reborn in, in, uh, the, through the gospel and through the sacraments of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we look at the rest of the time. It says, go to the vineyards. Obviously, there's, there's a consummation part of this. This is where they're going. They will, they, will, they will love each other in that way. And then there is that continuation of the fragrance that surrounds them, and, and this, this fragrance as well of, of their lives together. And I really, it, it, it captures all the senses, the eyes, the, the smells, the bells, everything you can imagine. And I know there's a number of places that connects us to worship, um, to our worship with our Lord, where the Lord becomes one with us, you know, no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. You have that, that beauty yet of creation, but also the beauty of being the body of Christ is another language that I, that I found to say here, come receive these gifts, as we would say quite often. So pastor, as we look at the Shulamite, when she starts to speak, and this really goes into the last chapter as well, um, how would you connect these last verses? Because someone could say, so how does that connect to Jesus? How would you explain that to them in verses 9 through 13? Well, his, the Bible says that, the, uh, that his name is like a perfume that is poured out of a sweet savor. Um, you know, his word is, is what makes us holy. Uh, his, his word is what, what makes life fragrant to us. Uh, you know, he, he is... He, you know, God in, in His love for us is, is is everything that is beautiful, and and uh, in God there is no darkness or, or nor any evil whatsoever. It's interesting that that uh, I, I spoke to my um, Bible class yesterday about the fact that God is pure goodness. There is no evil. Uh, you know, there is no such thing as pure evil, as as we're reminded by Saint Augustine, because pure evil is. 
is non-existence. Even the, there is some there is good even in the devil. The fact that he is alive and that he has power, although he uses it for evil purposes, but there is no mm-hmm. such thing as pure evil in existence. But there is such a thing as pure goodness and pure beauty and pure, um, uh, you know, the aromatic, uh, you know, the the perfume smell of of God's love for us. And that's where you hear, and I love bringing this back to the hymns. And to me, this brings you back to the Epiphany season, which I often connect with Advent in this sense and the light. You know, that understanding of the light that covers the trees, the light that covers our homes, the light that we know Jesus is coming. When it says, uh, in him there is no darkness at all, I want to walk as a child of the light. The night and the day are both alike. The Lamb is the light of the city of God, shine in my heart, Lord Jesus. And I think that really uh, highlights what you just talked about, that there, you know, there is no, there's no evil in the Lord. There's nothing but goodness. And the same way, there's no darkness there. It is all light, the light that we see everywhere this Advent season. Pastor, we have about a minute left. How would you summarize this chapter? Because like I said, this is not something, I don't think this is in our lectionaries. Uh, This is not something we typically have people yearning to have Song of Songs as their Bible study choice on Tuesday mornings or whenever it might be, but it is vital to the church and it has really painted a beautiful picture of us, of his love for us. How would you summarize chapter seven and why it's important for us today? Well, it, it's it's kind of like a, uh, uh, I want to say, maybe a vow or sentiment that a husband and wife uh, say to each other. Uh, it, it is it's something they should, probably in their in their married life they should uh, do it rather often in in looking at this particular book of the Bible. It'll enrich their marriage, and and uh, it, it it indicates. Uh, you know the 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 beautiful creation that's this is how god brings people into the world through a through a loving devoted christian marriage between uh, a man and a woman in in the name of uh, of jesus christ and 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 so i think it, i think this is these are very beautiful intimate uh tender words that are, are spoken to by uh, a christian husband and a christian wife to each other Pastor David Boyce-Claire of Faith in Bethesda Lutheran Church in Pine Lawn, Missouri, giving us God's strong word from Song of Songs, Chapter 7. Pastor Boyce-Claire, thank you again for the gifts. It's uh, my pleasure. God be with all. Saints of our Lord, we see the joy of a husband and wife, their desire for one another. This is what we celebrate when a husband and wife are united in marriage, whether it's a brand new marriage or 50 years, 60 years, or whatever it might be. And the same is true for us in Christ, that he has united himself with us by his loving action at the cross. And I, you know what? I pray that we will study this once again, because what a joy Song of Songs has been for us, for all those in marriage, and for all Christians. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands.